You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Kind of a lighthearted way to talk about a pretty serious issue we're going to be looking at here uh, over the next couple of weeks. Before I get into that, I wanted to share with you again another opportunity and another way that we have uh, to really give during the month of November. Um, on the back side of your very backside of your sermon outline, there's some information there about the Hawkeye Harvest Food Bank here in Mason City, Iowa. And uh, Hawkeye Harvest Food Bank does a lot to help people uh, who are struggling and need food. And so there's a lot of information there about the uh, Hawkeye Harvest Food Bank, the numbers of people uh, that they help. And I've also kind of included there, uh, speaking with them last week, I asked them for some specific items that they're really in need of. And so the items that I've listed there on the back of that are things you can pick up and then just bring to church with you any Sunday during the month of November. At the end of November, we'll take all of those items and we'll deliver that over there to the Hawkeye Harvest Food Bank. And then they're able to distribute that uh, to people in need. Some of the items on there, such as toilet paper, cleaning supplies, those are things that they're not able to purchase, say, with, uh, with the uh, food stamps. So there's some items on there um, that they really do have a higher need for than other things. But all of those items on that list are things they have identified that would really be helpful uh, to receive in order to continue to be uh, resourcing and helping uh, families that are in need. So if you can do that, if you're out shopping, uh, maybe take that list with you and just pick up a few of those items and just bring that uh, and donate. We'll be collecting that all through the month of uh, November. If you travel by air with uh, you know any frequency, it has likely happened to you, and for some of you, probably more than once. You get this uh, barcoded tag is placed on your check bags at their airport counter, and you kind of watch it as it's just whisked away and it's put on this conveyor belt, presumably to be loaded upon the very same airplane you are about to board. Right? Some hours later, you arrive at your destination and make your way to the you know the baggage claim and there you are kind of with all of these other passengers waiting as the carousel you know goes around and around and kind of just magically starts spitting out you know luggage uh, piece by piece and one by one you know passengers spot their luggage uh, they pull it off with a smile and they're headed for their destination the last bag appears on the carousel and it is not your bag And there you stand in the airport, no clean clothes, no toiletries, nothing but the clothes on your back. And before you think, you are somehow unique. Now get this. The airline loses about 26 million bags each and every year. So despite the terrible inconvenience it causes you, the reality is you are just a very small part of a much bigger statistic. You might feel like the guy who was standing in line to buy an airline ticket and he stepped up to the counter with three pieces of luggage. And he said, man, I want this first suitcase to go to Phoenix, the second suitcase to go to Seattle, and the third one to go to New York City. 
dumbfounded. The attendant said, sir, I'm sorry, we cannot do that. And the man said, I don't know why you did it last week. <laughs> There's nothing worse than losing baggage unless it's baggage you need to lose. The truth is, most of us, I would say all of us, have some type of emotional baggage that we kind of carry around with us all the time that we need to lose. Now, if you're one of those people sitting thinking, I have no baggage, okay, that's called denial, and that is baggage, okay? And as the video said, you know what, when we have a lot of emotional baggage, you know what, it weighs down our relationships with our family, with our friends, co-workers, neighbors. Often it destroys marriages, dissolves friendship, damages our ability to relate properly to God. And that's why I want to do a series here over the next couple of weeks that we're calling Baggage. And I want to really kind of look at and kind of deal with, you know, four of the biggest relationship killers we all struggle with, such as, you know, that baggage of bitterness, unresolved anger, maybe a judgmental spirit, a critical disposition. Doesn't matter how wealthy you are, doesn't matter how famous you are, how many things you have in life. We all know just from our own personal experience, if your relationships are bad, life can be extremely miserable. I love how a penis cartoon kind of depicts this. It, it, it has a, a Lucy talking to Snoopy, and, and Lucy says to Snoopy, she says, there are times when you really bug me, but I must admit there are also times where I just feel like giving you a great big hug. To which Snoopy replies, that's the way I am, huggable and buggable. <laughs> and again, that's the way it is for a lot of us. Your happiness is largely determined by your ability to get along with other people, whether they're huggable or buggable. And the Bible is really one of the greatest manuals on relationships. And the Bible has a lot to say about building strong and healthy relationships to God and relationships to one another. And so today as a foundation for what I'm going to say here uh, throughout the series, I want us to look at one of the greatest causes of why people have buggable relationships, and that is our inability to let go of the past. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. He says, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind the past and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And Paul's kind of pointing out a, a very important fact there. He says, I let go of the past and I strain toward the future or I reach toward the future. And he's making a point that we all need to learn in relationships. I cannot relate to the present if I'm constantly reacting to the past. I cannot relate, you cannot be fully in this moment if you're trapped in dealing with things 
in the past. We bring so many unresolved problems into our current relationships because we've really never dealt with our past issues. And I'm just, I'm guilty of this probably more than any of you in this room. And again, the truth is, every time you bring two people together in relationship, whether that's marriage, friendship, in a workplace, you're going to have baggage from the past. Okay, and it's going to affect the way you interact with those people. And again, every one of us brings baggage into a relationship. Okay, we all bring past hurts, burdens, uh, scars. Uh, I mean, we just bring a lot of baggage into relationships. And the key to really building and maintaining healthy relationships is really two things. Being able to recognize you have baggage. Okay, second thing is being willing to lose it, to let go of it. And as you saw in the video, a lot of times that's a lot harder uh, than we think. And I'm going to give you the key takeaway for this entire series, and and it is this. You can lose your baggage. You really can. It can be difficult. It, it It can take a lot of time and energy. But if you're committed, you can lose your baggage. Again, all of us carry emotional garbage or baggage of at least three types into our marriage, friendships, and relationships. First type is we rehearse our resentments. Okay? We've all done this. Somebody does something to you and it causes emotional pain. Or, or distress in, in your life. And, and what do we do? We rehearse that. We replay the incident. We kind of replay the things that were said to us, the things that were done to us. We're remembering every word, every detail. And the wonderful thing is, is the more often you do that, and if you ever recognize this, how you kind of start adding things that weren't really there in the first place or start subtracting or forgetting things. And pretty soon, you you kind of have a situation created in your mind that really doesn't resemble the reality of what happened. And so we're just constantly replaying um, hurts and You know, just issues over and over uh, what that person said and did that hurt us. Again, we rehearse and we replay our resentment. Second, we remember our regrets. The things we felt guilty and ashamed about. The things that we regret. You know, those things, if only. I mean, how many times do we say that? If only I had done this. If only I had said that. And we remember those things. So we rehearse our resentments. We remember our regrets. And the third thing is we reinforce our remorse. And a lot of times what happens is we kind of just get bummed out. We get, we get depressed when you do those three things and you carry uh, that emotional garbage of resenting or rehearsing resentments, remembering regrets, and reinforcing our remorse. Again, those three things tend to cause us to react to relationships rather than enjoying relationships. So again, we have to be committed to losing our baggage. I would say if you're a believer, if if you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, okay, you must lose your baggage. It's not an option for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. We have been called to a much higher standard in our relationship with God and with one another. Again, we have a witness to maintain. We have a name to uphold. We have a reputation to guard because we don't just represent ourselves. 
The way we act and react to others, we represent the Lord who gave up His very life for us on a cross, who was raised from the dead, and who says, and who we say has made a radical change in our lives. If we believe Jesus Christ has made a radical change in our lives, our lives ought to be reflecting that at some level. I know some of you are thinking, I try and I just can't seem to lose my baggage. The truth is you can. Because a man under the inspiration, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says you can. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open to Ephesians chapter 4. There's a couple verses we're going to look at this morning. That if these verses were truly followed, if we really applied these in our life, both in the church and outside the church, the transformation and relationships would be absolutely staggering. Paul begins by saying in Ephesians 4, verse 31, get rid of all bitterness. Not just some of it, all of it. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. I love the way this translation puts it. Paul simply says, do you have any bitter feelings toward anybody? Get rid of it. You still mad, ticked off at somebody because they really messed you over? Stop it. Do you find yourself in your mind hanging people by their toenails in hot acid? This is actually a translation I found. Some of you are like going, yeah, you know, now that you put it that way, I'm starting to kind of see what you mean. Cursing them out, calling them every name in the book. Paul just says, no more. I know you may be thinking that's easy for someone to say, you know, it wasn't for Paul. I can stop and think where Paul wrote this from. Paul's writing these words from a prison where he has been unjustly incarcerated. He has been whipped. He has been mocked. He has been treated unfairly. He knows he's eventually going to lose his life simply for telling the truth about Jesus Christ. He wrote these very words in that environment, in that context. Yet you can look at his writings and you will not detect one iota of bitterness, anger, unresolved rage, no ill will in his heart. Paul's saying to you and to me, I lost my baggage. I got rid of all of it and you can get rid of yours as well. So let me just give you really quickly three ways we can do that. We can lose our baggage first by giving up our grudges. Ephesians 4, 31 again, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. And then he kind of says, okay, that's what you don't do. Now I'm going to tell you what you do do. So be kind and compassionate toward one another. Forgiving each other just as, two big words, just as you have been forgiven, just as in Christ God forgave you. Again, circle that word, get rid, get rid of all bitterness. He says, chuck it, 
Remove it. Get rid of it. Let go. Eliminate it. Do not hold on to resentment. He says, if you do, I guarantee you, it's going to ruin, it's going to affect your relationships. Again, there's few things in life that do more damage in relationships than resentment. Resentment usually comes when we depend upon other people to meet our needs, whether those are physical needs, financial needs, social needs, spiritual needs, whatever needs those are, when we depend upon people to meet those and then they let us down, which they always eventually do, okay, and when our needs are not being met by somebody else, then we get angry at that person. You're not meeting my needs. And then we get resentful and we start developing grudges. The problem is with grudges and resentments are they don't work. It's uncomfortable. Do you realize when you are resentful, it's not upsetting the person you're resentful at. It's upsetting you. I mean, you're sitting at home and you're stewing over all of this, this person, what they did, what they said, that's stoking all of this resentment. You're, you're at home consumed by it. You know where they're at? They're out with their friends. They're out having a good time. They're not even thinking about this. You're at home stewing. They're out there just having a, a great time in life. You're the one hurting. Again, resentment never hurts the other person. It always hurts you. On top of that, it's worthless. Do you realize you can be resentful toward people who have hurt you in the past and that will never change the past? That's true. No matter how much you resent it, it never changes the past. It, it's worthless. It never resolves the problem. It usually always just makes the problem worse. Not only is it worthless, it's controlling. Do you realize when you say to somebody, you make me so mad, you're admitting your weakness. You make me. That means you've given that person a lot of power over you. That person is in control of your emotions. They have the power to really control how you feel. Do you realize nobody can make you mad without your permission? You are allowing them to make you mad, and in that allowance, you have given over a lot of control to them. And again, as I said, every one of us in this room has been hurt in the past. But again, some of you are allowing that person from your past to hurt you in the present, and some of those people, they're not even around anymore. They, they may be moved on. They're, they're maybe living in another part of the country. They've gone on with their life, but you're stuck with resentment and grudges. And Paul says, get rid of it. Let it go. Eliminate it. Your past is your past. It cannot hurt you anymore unless you allow it. Just let it go. Job chapter 5 verse 2 says, To worry yourself to death with, with resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. It doesn't help. It only hurts. Job 18.4 says, You are only hurting yourself with your anger. 
To make matters worse, some of you have allowed all of this anger and hurt to pile up from your past. And since that person isn't around anymore, or they're not accessible to you, you're just taking it out on other people. Maybe your spouse, your children, co-workers. That isn't fair. They had nothing to do with that. They're not the cause of it, but they're the ones that are getting the brunt of it. You've got to let go of your grudges. If you want to get on with your life, there's only one alternative. Paul says, forgive everybody as God has forgiven you in Christ Jesus. You're forgiven. So be forgiving. Second, I must give up my grief. Again, sorrow is a normal part of life. Okay, everybody here experiences loss, whether that's through death, maybe it's through divorce. Every one of us have had hurts in the past, um, and grieving those losses is really a normal part of life. There's nothing wrong with mourning. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 4, he said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So the Bible says there are times where it is okay to weep and to grieve. It is a part of life. But as many of you know, there is a big, big difference between mourning and moaning. Okay, moaning, it is kind of that self-pity. It's that poor me. And again, when you moan in life, you resign from life. People who kind of get into a perpetual state of moaning, they kind of get this thing going where they're just kind of, you know, I quit. I, I, I'll never, ever be happy again. I've lost it all. And the truth is you haven't lost it all. You're still here. And what happens a lot of times is people will build a wall around themselves and they'll impose themselves in isolation. And they'll just simply say, I'm never going to allow anyone to ever get that close to me again because I might get hurt. They'll get close to me. I'll lose them. So I'll build a wall and I'll just keep everybody um, out and I'll keep myself in and safe. And we call that self-inflicted isolation. Pain again. Loss, it's a part of life. Everybody here has had situations, relationships where you have gotten hurt. You've lost in those relationships. We've all experienced them in life. The key is do not allow your pain to make you a prisoner of that pain. You've got to not only let go of your grudges, you've got to learn to let go of your grief so that you can have good, strong, healthy relationships today. So for those of you that may be here this morning and you're kind of struggling with grief, how do you, how do you let go of that? How do you move on? Well, there's a great story in, in uh, the second chapter uh, um, of Samuel, uh, the second book of Samuel, chapter 12. And it's a story about David. And it's a, a wonderful story because he really shows us how to let go of grief. And this grief really, in many ways, was self-inflicted grief. 
David has this illegitimate affair with Bathsheba. Out of that uh, comes a child. Uh, he takes another uh, man's wife. And remember, David uh, has him killed. It, it was sin. And you remember that Bathsheba becomes pregnant, uh, bore a son, and the son becomes very, very sick. And it says in there that David laid himself out, just prostrate on the ground, praying for days and days. And he's just crying out to God in his grief. God, save this child. God, save, intervene on this child's behalf. It says he prayed, he fasted, he wept before the Lord, and yet the child died. Shows we don't always get what we pray for. And so 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 16 and 18, it says, David pleaded with God for the child, and he fasted, and he went into his house, and he spent nights just laying on the ground. But on the seventh day, the child died. Now the key is what David does after this, because he does three key things when the child Dies, and it's the same three things we can do if we're trying to let go of grief. The first thing that David did was he accepted what cannot be changed. You got to accept what cannot be changed. That's the first thing David does. He accepted what could not be changed. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 22. It says that David got up from the ground. He said, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept, but now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back to life? Again, the obvious answer there is no. So David says, you know, while there was a chance, while there was still an opportunity, I did all that I could do. I prayed, I wept, I fasted, but now he's no longer alive and I've got to move on with my life. So he accepted what he could not change. There are people who are in pain from events that happened years and years ago. The key to your peace of mind is one word. Acceptance. Acceptance of God's will and plan in your life. And realizing in spite of what you're going through. That God is still on the throne. God is still in control. And you just need to accept what cannot be changed. Second thing you do, play it down and pray it up. Play it down and pray it up. Again, we're talking about grief here. And you just play that grief down and pray it up. By that I mean you don't exaggerate it. You know, sometimes people get so consumed in grief and they're just walking around thinking and feeling the world has ended. The truth is the world has not ended. Yes, you're heartbroken. Yes, you're devastated. You feel like your world is falling apart, but the world has not ended. Again, you don't exaggerate it. You dedicate it. You, you play it down and you pray it up. Notice what David does. The child has died. And it says in verse 20, after he had washed and put on lotion and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and what? Worshipped. What did David do with his grief? He went to church and he worshipped. Those of you who have hearts that are breaking right now, again, you just need to get your focus on God. Isaiah 6 says, in the year King Uzziah died, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord. 
Isaiah is saying, you know what? I got my eyes off of the circumstance and onto the one who is greater than any of my circumstances. And again, I'm not here to, 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 to downplay, to lessen the significance of your loss. But I am just saying to you, for your own sake, for your own well-being, for your own emotional health, you've got to accept what cannot be changed and just don't over-exaggerate what's happening. And you know, again, play it down and pray it up. That person is not coming back. The third thing is focus on what is left, not on what is lost. This is, to me, this is probably the best one of the three. Focus on what is left, not on what is lost. It says in verse 24, Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba. He went into her and lay with her. She gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. David still had friends, family, loved ones. He looked at what he had left, not on what he had lost. You say, I don't have much left. You do. Honestly, you do. You have your life. You have, uh, I mean, you live in one of the greatest countries uh, in the world. You have a church full of people here this morning. There are those that surround you here this morning that, that will pray for you, that will love you, that will, you know, support you. Uh, if you, again, just make your needs known. You have a lot more than you're looking at. But oftentimes, again, we get so focused on what we have lost that we lose sight of what we have left. Third thing that we need to do um, is uh, we just have got to give up our guilt. Uh, and I've got a lot of uh, more information there in, in the outline. So again, I'm just going to uh, leave it there this morning. What I want to do is just invite the worship team to come back up this morning. And I really want to just... Um, you know, we've taken communion um, here this morning, and, and again, what an awesome opportunity that God invites us into, that God has provided um, for us. And so, as I said here this morning, for those of you here this morning, and again, maybe you're kind of struggling uh, in some areas right now. Maybe there's just anger or bitterness. Maybe there's guilt. Maybe there's just unresolved grief in your life. And again, I, I do not want to, to devalue or, or try to minimize your loss. I, I want to acknowledge your loss. I want to I be able to you know, acknowledge that, yes, what, what has happened to you, uh, again, it, it is terrible. But at the same time, we want to be able to offer you hope. And I believe the hope that you're looking for, the hope I'm looking for, the hope all of us need is found in Jesus Christ. Regardless of what you are going through here this morning, I'll guarantee you, God has a plan and a purpose for what you're going through. Right, Arlene? Arlene shared with me this morning, you know, she, she fell and she broke her arm. You know, and, and God has used that. God wasn't the cause of it, but God took that and used that to restore a relationship for her. So again, God is our hope and our salvation. And so what we want to do this morning is we close uh, in, in worship. If you're here this morning, and again, you just feel like you're kind of trapped or you're stuck 
uh, and, and you want to get unstuck, and you want to just move on into some um, more healthier uh, aspects of your walk with Jesus, your walk with other people. There are going to be people up here, Christians, believers, who have been where you've been uh, and struggled with what you've struggled with. And they're, they're here to pray with you this morning, to encourage you, uh, to share the good news of, of Jesus Christ with you, to assure you that, that, you know, whatever you're going through, God has a redemptive purpose for that. God can use whatever you're going through this morning and bring good, to bring blessings into your life. We truly believe that. There's so many of you here this morning that are a testimony of what God has done with some of the terrible things that have happened in your life. And how God is using all of that uh, to bring forth good uh, blessings in your life. So we truly believe that, that our hope is found in Jesus Christ and nothing else. So if you're here this morning as we just close in worship and you just need to get unstuck this morning. You just need to be able to, to move on to the next level of forgiveness, of letting go. Uh, this morning, there are people here that, and we would love to pray. You don't have to come up here and pour out all of your problems. We don't, I don't want you to feel like you, you know, have to come up here and, you know, expose yourself. But just simply coming up and just saying, you know, God knows, and I just, I just need to get unstuck in a relationship. I just need to be able to let go of some baggage in my life. If that's you this morning, we want to just invite you uh, as we close this morning just to come up uh, and, and just to let people pray with you this morning. Father, we just thank you so much. The Lord, in spite of everything that has happened, all those things, Lord, that the enemy means for our destruction are the very things, God, that you can use and work together for our good. And Father, I just pray for people here this morning that maybe you're kind of like those people in the video. They're carrying a lot of baggage. Bitterness and anger, envy, whatever that may be this morning, that, that we're carrying a lot of baggage. And God, it's only slowing us down. It's only weighing us down. It's only keeping us from moving forward in our walk with you and in our walk with others this morning. And Father, I believe this morning that you're speaking to hearts. And you're just saying to us this morning, it is time to let it go. It's time to just get rid of that. And so this morning, I just pray for those people here this morning, God, that really just need to let go. And that God, you would just draw them that God, you again would just encourage them that they can do this. That you've given to us, again, the means, the ways uh, to be able to select go and to be able to move on into healthier ways. So Father, I just pray for people this morning that just need that release. That God, your spirit would just begin to free them. Even now, God, they would begin to just feel the shackles falling off, Lord. The bags are just kind of falling to the wayside this morning. As they let go of the past and again take hold of what you have for them. And Father, we know that that is our, for our good. It's really for our blessing. So Father, for those this morning that just need to be able to do that, God, I pray, Lord, that you would just make a way. Make a way for them, Father.
Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.